Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekday Devotion. This is Pastor Daniel, and uh, today we're going to be continuing on in the book of Jude. Uh, We've looked at two days already. We looked at verses 1 through 7 so far. We've met Jude. He was the half-brother of Jesus, um, biologically, uh, but here he referred to himself in verse 1 as a slave of Christ. That's his identity. He sees himself as a servant of the Lord, the King, King Jesus, and he, yesterday, we saw that he warned about um, a lot of the bad things going on in the churches of false teaching, corrupt teaching, specifically by those who were looking to gain sexual favor uh, through the teaching of um, and influence over the people of God. So today we're going to continue by looking at verses 8 through 13. So let's read that together. Verse 8, yet in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams defile the flesh, reject authority, blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but simply said, the Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they like, all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them! For they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast as they feast without, they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame. Wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. Well, today we continue in Jude's ongoing rebuke and pronounced judgment against these false teachers who have no inclination to honor the Lord. They're not true believers. They're only seeking selfish gain by trying to gain an influence over God's people. And here it kind of goes on and describes some attributes they have. They rely on their dreams. They don't rely on the word of God. They rely on dreams, premonitions, urges, emotions. We see a lot of that in our, and even in our church culture today, where there's an abandoning of the word of God and more of a trust in personal experience, or where, you know, we can even go to where we, we look more to, to God to speak to us through dreams and through visions than we do for God to speak to us through his word. Hey, I'm not saying God cannot use dreams or visions. That is just the extreme exception. God speaks to us primarily through his word. The Holy Spirit, illuminating the word in our mind and hearts, speaks to us. That's how God speaks to us 99.9% of the time. So if you or someone you know who is a believer uh, is saying, I just wish God would show me a sign. I wish God would speak to me in a dream, or I wish God would give me a vision. That's that's wishing for God to do the exponentially rare. God speaks through his word, so encourage those. Or if you're listening and that's you, God speaks to you through his word. Read his word, study his word, ask God to speak to you through his word, because that is his modus operandi. That's the way God usually, almost always works, is through speaking to you through the word. But he goes on and says these people, they reject authority. You know, this is a, a big deal for our culture today. We have a culture who does not like authority. You know, there's, you know, demands to to defund police, to rebel against government, to go to anarchy. What, no matter what, there's a lot of these groups out there, right, that are pushing these different 
ideologies and agendas, all of them have in common a rebellion against authority. You know, now authority can definitely be abused and misused and can become oppressive. And absolutely, we should stand up against those. But we can also take this way extreme. God is a God of authority. In fact, in the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, before Jesus tells us to go and make disciples, he first helps us understand the whole authority of this. He says, look, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth, therefore go. So we go because Jesus has the authority and he gives us the authority to go. Authority is delegated. We're to submit to the authority of government. We're to submit to the authority of rulers. We're to submit to the authority and there's authority in the household, you know, the authority of parents over children. There's authority in the church of elders to lead and shepherd their people. Authority is a good thing delegated by God. So when that authority is rejected, that goes against the ways of God. So here, Jude's uh, rebuke against these people is that they reject that authority. And so anyway, then then Jude looks to um, how to handle those situations. He looks at different like historical events, like Michael, the archangel, contending with the devil over the body of Moses. Here, Michael did not leverage authority, but he appealed to God's authority over Satan by saying, the Lord rebuke you. And spiritual warfare is a hot topic. A lot of times people will say, you know, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but Michael did not do that. Michael simply said, the Lord rebuke you, not I rebuke you. So Michael didn't establish and claim his own authority. He appealed to the authority of God, the Lord, which is the highest authority. And so here, um, he goes on and, and he describes how these people infiltrating the church and gaining influence, how they behave, how they blaspheme, how they'll be destroyed. They're like unreasoning animals. Um, and he says, woe to them. And then he kind of goes back to the Old Testament history and pulls out Cain and Balaam and Korah's rebellion. And all three of those have these men at heart who were rebellious, who were selfish and self-seeking, Cain. You know, it was jealous of Abel because Abel offered a, be- a better sacrifice. You know, Balaam. Balaam was a, a prophet for hire. He would give out a prophecy just to get paid. You know, and Korah. Korah was rebellious and tried to lead a rebellion against Moses. So these three rebels are used as to illustrate these people creeping in. I just want to end today just talking about the peril of rebellion. Um, rebellion can be celebrated in our culture. You know, if you go back to the 50s, James Dean, rebel without a cause, famous, popular, you know, became a, a sex symbol, if you will, because he was a picture of rebellion. But rebellion's not good. Um, you know, we look at, we call it the Civil War, where rebels, they were rebellion against the North, um, but they were on the wrong side because they were supporting slavery. That's not, it wasn't good. Very few instances, rebellion is needed, but most of the time, especially when it comes to rebelling against God, it is a death trap. What happens to those who are rebels in these cases? Well, I think we see uh, in verse 12 and 13 what happens. There are waterless clouds, which means empty, pointless. They're fruitless trees, again, worthless, pointless, wild waves of the sea that cast foam of their own shame. Wandering stars never find a home. And look, they go to the gloom and utter darkness forever. What happens to those who are rebellious against God? Well, the ultimate rebellion is not to trust in Christ and utter darkness 
and eternal gloom awaits. Let that not be you. Let the Lord search your heart today and root out any rebellion against him that is unholy. Of course, all rebellion against God is unholy. Let him root that out of you. Repent of that and trust in Christ. I pray you walk tightly with Jesus today.